0: Do not let your hearts be troubled. The moment I read these words, I want to know what is happening about which I should be afraid. When I had surgery on my hands as a small child, I vividly remember the anesthesiologist saying as he placed a mask over my nose, there's nothing to be afraid of. And my finding, even at that young age, finding it hard to believe that there was nothing at all to be afraid of, with those bright lights and all that beeping noise, and everyone in green surgical gear moving around like a small army with deadly seriousness. Do not let your hearts be troubled. How many of us as parents have said something like that to a shaking child? Don't be afraid. Don't let your heart be troubled. Our daughter once got bit by a dog, a large dog, and she was quite small. And for years after that, she could not see a dog, a large dog especially, and especially a dog off a leash without tensing up and getting very anxious. I would say, that looks like a friendly dog. We've been by that dog several times. There's nothing to be afraid of. And she would say, Dad, you don't know that for a fact. I got bit. Indeed. Indeed. Liston Mills would tell our pastoral care classes at Vanderbilt. Never correct a feeling, he would say. Never judge a feeling, in yourself or in someone else. Never dismiss a feeling. Feelings simply are. They are neither good nor bad, nor does a person have much control over them. And then he went on to say, and he said this several times, that we should ban the words, do not be afraid, from our pastoral lexicon. And some wise guy in the back of the room raised his hand and said, but didn't Jesus say, do not be afraid? And Professor Mills stopped and looked back at him and said, yes, but he's Jesus, and last I checked, you ain't. (laughs) So experience has taught me as well as training to whenever I hear someone say, do not be afraid, I start looking around for the fearful things. When you look at the chapter just before this one in John's Gospel, some of the last words we hear before these words about do not be afraid, do not let your hearts be troubled, were the words deny, And betray. Judas has already left the room and gone out. And as soon as he leaves, John narrates, and it was night. In this gospel, light and dark, night and day are always more than observations of the time. It is night, both within and without. And then Peter, who had said he would die for Jesus, that he would never leave his side, hears from the one he loves, the one whose hands just moments ago washed his feet, that this very night, before the rooster crows of the break of the dead, he will have denied Jesus not once but three times. Betrayal the night and night hang heavy in the air over this scene and maybe jesus feels that heaviness maybe he hears the ripples of shock moving about the room the bread and the wine long forgotten the disciples overcome by anxiety and fear he takes his eyes off of Peter and looks at all of them. Do not let their hearts be troubled, he said. How can they not be afraid? Is this a case of Jesus dismissing their very real circumstances? Is he being naive? This is where I think my old professor had it wrong. Right. We are not Jesus. When he speaks of not being afraid, he speaks not with the careless authority of dismissing another's fear, but as one who is with us in our fear, who has indeed taken it upon himself, who walks through it, and who walks alongside us in the dark. He is as near as our next breath. He knows us intimately. And so he can say, and he alone, in the middle of the night, do not be afraid. In my Father's house, there are many rooms, many dwelling places. The old King James Version had that kind of strange and kind of beautiful uh, phrase, in my Father's house are many mansions. The source of the disciples' strength at this time of real trouble is their faith in God and in Jesus. And although Jesus is going, faith in Him makes possible a new kind of relationship with God. Jesus is inviting all believers to Dwell with him. A metaphor for relationship. To come into that large house with those many rooms. A relationship that Jesus' departure will enable the disciples to share. Themselves. No matter what happens to them. No matter what happens to the church. No matter how fearful the time. We have a home in Christ, with God. Not just in the future, but very much in the here and now. And so he says, you know the way I'm going, to the place where I'm going. Home, you know, we talk a lot about home on days like this in our nation. Home is not bricks and mortar. Home is primarily about relationships. My Father's house is an invitation to a relationship with God, a space with many rooms, a relationship that grounds all others. And that, when we are fearful, enfolds us in the assurance of ultimate home. But Thomas, all he can think about is a house somewhere perhaps up in the sky with many rooms and he's thinking about a place and not a person we do not know where you're going how can we know the way Thomas asks to know the way and Jesus points to himself Philip asks him to show us the father and then we will be satisfied and Jesus again points to himself We live in a time in the church that, in many quarters, has overcome fear. Almost every gathering of church leaders I attend these days is dominated by hand-wringing over loss of members, opining for those good old days when Sunday was given over to worship and nothing else, when all we had to do was open the doors. And people streamed in, I sit with a group of ministers and hear stories of churches divided like the country is divided, by politics, by various and sundry social issues, by tastes in music, and underlying all of this, all of it, is the steady drumbeat of fear. What is going to happen to us? Show us the way. What do we need to do? Show us the Father, and we will be satisfied. It is to the church that Jesus issues these words. I am the way. It is to the church that Jesus says, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. It is to the church, Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. It is to the church, Jesus says, if you ask for anything in my name, I will do it. I am very grateful to serve a church that has time and time again throughout its history and during during this fearful season for the church at large, chosen to trust in Christ and to follow where God leads, sometimes at great risk. This plan that you will hear about in just a few moments is a response of faith and not fear, a stepping out in trust Confident confident that the future is not in our hands, but God's. And that Christ remains the head of the church and has and will give us all we need to accomplish his mission of love, peace, and justice in all the earth. This is what we affirm at this table. We break the bread in faith, not fear. We pour the cup in trust, not mistrust. We go from this table out into the world, whether it is day or night, strengthened by this meal to walk in the way that is Christ, to walk in Christ's way in the world, to live by the truth that is Christ, in a world that is sometimes filled with lies, and to embrace the life that is in Christ, in a world that is often enthralled to death. When we do this, in faith, not fear, we reveal the glory of God, and we become a blessing to this world God loves. May it be so this day, all days. Amen.